everybody, welcome to Making It. This is episode 77. I'm Bob Claggett, here with David Picciuto. Me again? Yeah, you again. I get to go first two times in a row? <laughs> and Jimmy Duresta. Hello. How's it going? I'm good. How are you guys doing? You guys seem like you went on an adventure. It looked like a lot of fun. It was. It was. We were in California for VidCon, and Bob and I had never been there before. We had no idea what to expect, and I guarantee you I will be back for the next one. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it was weird. I, I kind of had, well, I, I expected something. I was just totally wrong. <laughs> what did you expect, and like, what did you get out of it? I mean, for me, the expectation was, um, well, I guess I wasn't totally wrong. My expectation was incomplete. I expected it to be a bunch of like teenagers um, fawning over, you know, vloggers. And that was absolutely the case. But that's not all it was. So I think that, you know, my expectation was that's all the thing is. Um, And like all the panels would just be these kids that I don't know talking about themselves and stuff like that. Um, but it would, there were, what did they say? Like 25,000 people mm-hmm. at VidCon or something. It's a huge number of people. And I would say the majority of them were kids, but it was really funny because there was the bottom level, which was like the community The I mean, physically in the building, there were the bottom floor was the community. And then level two was the creator track. And then level three was the, uh, industry track industry. Yeah. Industry. And so we we were joking because as you went up in levels, the median age jumped like 10 years. <laughs> it was pretty funny. But I mean, I, I got a whole bunch of like information out of it, you know, and then we met a whole bunch of really awesome people and that are doing this for a living or would like to. And um, it was cool. I don't know. What did you get out of it the most, David? Well, there's the I felt like I made friends. And mm-hmm. so that was that was really awesome. I like meeting other people that do what I do, but maybe are more experienced at it. And so I love hearing other people's perspective on things. Um, but there was also like some of the panels, some of them were so eye opening and just like full of meat. Cause you can, you go to these things and you might, you might see a couple talks or you might be watch a panel and it's just kind of like that, that thousand foot overview. There's not really like, actionable meat. It's just kind of like, go do it and motivational. But there was some really good things that I learned that I think I can apply to myself and maybe make what I do better uh, as, as my YouTube channel and my personality uh, a little bit more natural in my channel. So I picked up a lot of awesome tips and you, what did, what did you get out of it? I mean, the same thing. A lot of it was relationship building, um, which, you know, when I say it that way, it sounds like like networking, like business networking, but it really wasn't that. It was like um, getting to spend time with people that I only have talked to online, you know, through the comments section and through emails and stuff, and actually getting to sit down at dinner with somebody and, like, talk about life and talk about what you like and what you don't like is a very, very different thing. Mm-hmm. So that's just... Um, you know, that's a lot of fun. I mean, when the three of us are in, when the three of us are in the same place and we get to do that, it's, it's a yeah. big, I think, boost in like how we interact with each other. Cause we know each other better, you know? Yeah. For sure. I, I think there's, a, there's also like, as far as uh, we're content creators, but we'll, I'll just use the term YouTuber. Cause that's what people know us as. And 
the, in the world, there's not a lot of YouTubers. Like, you don't go to school to learn how to be a YouTuber, right? And so when you get to talk to other people that you don't normally talk to, not only do you get the tips to help your your brand or whatever, but you get like that that life conversation. Like, how did how does it affect your home life, your everyday life? How do you schedule around that, or how do you mix the two, or or keep the two separate? And it's just it's it's the behind the the doors stuff that really interests me and kind of motivates me. And you know, knowing that oh, this is going to work out, and this is or it's going to continue working out, and you know, I just love it even more now. Yeah. Did either of you guys meet, uh, or can you say, did you meet anybody in particular that was like, like, let's say, for instance, if I met Elvis? <laughs> Elvis wasn't at VidCon, so that, that wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> but was there anybody there that you were like, oh, my God, there stands. <laughs> Fill in um, the space. You, not like, I, I, I never get too starstruck, but at least I say that. And then when I see somebody that's like, ah. Uh, I, I got to I, I got to meet Mystery Guitar Man, and I've always loved what he does. I got to meet the the, the husband and wife team of uh, Threadbangers. I really like their channel. Uh, like Bob said, there was lots of science uh, channel people there that um, we got to meet, which included uh, help me out here, Bob, but um, Smarter Every Day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank here. Veritasium. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, CGP Gray, Mark Rober, uh, Minute Physics, Henry yeah. from Minute Physics. Yeah, so wow. it was fun. Was yeah. Colin was Colin Furs there? No, not not that I was aware of. Yeah, anyway. no, I didn't know if he was there. I was just wondering because he would yeah. probably draw a big crowd. Yeah, probably, and probably set something on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I when you guys were talking about it months ago, I was thinking about it, but I had oh, I got so much work to do, I couldn't even consider it. But maybe next year I'll go. Well, it's interesting. You know, I was thinking about that, about you going to VidCon, <clears throat> and I would love to see your reaction to that space. I have a feeling, this is just me, I could be totally wrong, mm-hmm. I think you would be so twitchy, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, w- I need to go do something. Because it, it felt like a lot of, because I, I, I felt that. I watched, I watched, and I saw like, it was like a lot of standing around, like looking, yeah. waiting for people to talk. And I, I actually... Looked at it and I thought to myself, hmm, you know, that's a lot of waiting around. But I certainly would, I certainly do enjoy seeing panels of people that, that interest me. So, mm-hmm. and it seemed like that's like the meat and potatoes of it is like going from one, one panel discussion to another. It seemed quite a bit. I mean, I watched Casey, of course, and Casey was doing a lot of panel talks. And, uh, and it just seemed like everybody's going from one panel discussion to another. And, and then that's, that's a great way to learn, uh, you know, the platform. Because there's so many, mm-hmm. there's so many things about the platform that that I still don't delve into. Uh, you know, it makes yeah. me nervous to go and deal with the controls. And then you talk to somebody, and they're like, "Oh, you do that and the other thing." And I'm like, "Oh, wow, mm-hmm. yeah, oh yeah, that's cool." You know, when and, people show me, all of a sudden, I'm like, "Oh, okay, it doesn't seem as intimidating." Yeah, and the, and the panels I thought were a good mixture. At least the ones that we went to, there were. I mean, there were tons that I didn't have any, I didn't go to, I didn't know anything about or whatever. But, you know, some of them were super technical. Like we went to one that was about the um, the algorithm. And so it was kind of ways to work within the algorithm algorithm to get found or to get distributed better. And then there were some on like team building, which were just kind of good personnel stuff. Um, and then some were Q&As where the, it was just creators on stage. People would ask them questions. And I went to a couple of those and I was really glad to see that the questions weren't like, 
which one's your favorite video? <laughs> you know, where do you get your inspiration? That kind of stuff. It was like, you know, like what made you go from this point in your life to this point in your life? Or mm -hmm. how do you continue to come up with ideas? And it was like, it was, they were good questions. And we, we saw one, uh, by the slow-mo guys and it was way more interesting than I thought it was going to be. I figured they were just going to talk about like what they've blown up the whole time. And they did talk about that, but it was like, you know, how they got to where they are and how they're planning for the future and, you know, some just interesting insight into the people and the business and, so it was cool. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was good stuff. Usually when I go to these, when I fly out for an event and this might sound weird, but usually it's about me. It's like, it's like I'm, a, I'm putting myself out there so I can go and meet people that, that watch my stuff or listen to this podcast. And, but this time it was like, kind of like flipped around where I was there to learn and it wasn't about me being a brand. I was there to like, absorb and pick up on things and because i was there to learn i never went to any of casey's talks or another uh, i'm a big fan of jack's films i never got to see any of his talks because they were community-based ones like for the fans and since i was there to learn i skipped those so i could go to the panels that were actually teaching so and i got to hang out with bob bob's a cool dude <laughs> david's cool too we had fun yeah yeah i was watching you guys i was watching your snapchats a little bit Seeing where you were at and what you were up to, which is another cool platform that's at least growing a little bit in our community. I mean, you guys, Bob, you jumped right into it after that conversation we had a few months ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, first. I figured, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to try it, then I may as well really try it. And, uh, actually, actually there was some interesting conversation that we had, we were a part of about Snapchat with just other people who were using it, you know, trying to figure out like why they're using it. Like, how does it play into, making stuff in your shop or wh whatever the thing is that you do as your bread and butter, you know, how does this work in? And I don't think we ever came to any conclusions or anything, but it was just interesting to hear how people are different. People are taking a relatively new tool and figuring out what to do with it. You know, you know it works great for me in the way that it's a behind the scenes. So, I mean, you guys kind of peeked by my stuff a little bit. I try mostly to show Things being made, things being worked on. A lot of Taylor, because Taylor is very creative and she doesn't really, she hasn't really taken to YouTube yet, although we keep threatening to do so. But uh, she made this beautiful lamp that's in my house right now. It's just right over my head. She made this crazy lamp. And the other day I oh, yeah, you, her. You were giving her a lot of crap for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it was a real difficult install for me. But we finally got it up. She built it and then we put it up. But I was just picking on her. She patched that hole, that big broken hole around the middle part there because we had to move the box over the electrical box mm. anyway so there's a lot of stuff that she does which i like to show and um so for me snapchat is great for behind the scenes and it's i know i've said it before but i get a lot of old guys complaining that they're on snapchat because of me and they're mad at me but they love it they're like i have no <laughs> idea what i'm doing but i know when i tap this i get to see a couple of scenes of what you're up to which is yeah. funny because it was the same way with me i don't know i keep telling my friend i've talked about my buddy Scott, his name is Uncle Mullet on YouTube. I keep telling Scott, I go, Scott, because he's so spontaneous, comedian. I said, you got to get on Snapchat. I go, next time you're hanging around with a 20-year-old, just say, hey, do you know how to use Snapchat? Show me how to use it. And I just hmm. keep saying, because he's 53 or 4. I said, next time you're around like a 20, 21-year-old, I said, just have him give you a five-minute lesson on Snapchat. And he said he's going to try it. But he's like the perfect candidate because he makes lots of videos. But in between, there's so many little bits and pieces of spontaneity that he's up to that he could really live and, and work with it. So... Uh, so check out Uncle Mullet. He's just a friend of mine. He needs some love. Cool. 
Well, you said, you know, you use Snapchat to show what you're up to. And I just realized we completely skipped over that. What are you up to, Jimmy? What have you been doing? Oh, yeah. I've been really uh, working pretty hard. I got my printing press. If you saw my Instagram while you guys are away, I got the printing press mechanized, motorized, moving. I got an old motor from a, an oil burner that they repaired in my workshop building. There was a, they, they, outside the oil burner room, they had these like extra parts. So it's like, take it, it's going in the garbage. So I took a, a motor and I was able to make a big leather belt and I got my printing press going. So I'm getting, I'm gearing up for that video. I'm going to, I'm going to print a bunch of little posters. I can, I can only print eight and a half by 11 on that printer. The thing that weighs 3000 pounds and it's huge and it, it can only print literally the size of a regular print paper. So, uh, <laughs> it happens to be a small plat, platen. That's why it's just a small one. Um, so I'm going to print probably about a hundred posters and air quotes because they'll be small. Uh, and I'm going to try and offer them for sale on my, on my website, but everything I've been documenting, making some spare parts for the machine, setting up the, uh, getting the motor going, getting, you know, the fine tuning the machine. And so that is exciting. I just got my ink today in the mail and I'm going to cut my plate on one of the CNC machines. And last night I started a cannon build. I'm going to build like a little 16th century British cannon. I'm going to copy one I found online. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I, I, I did like this. I bought like a clean out for some woman was cleaning out her container and she had a pile of old metal. So I bought the pile of old metal and one of the pile, one of the pieces was a three inch by 50 inch solid chunk of brass, which apparently is very expensive. Oh, wow. And, yeah. Uh, so I cut off 18 inches of that, which was very hard because it's a beautiful chunk of brass. It's like, oh, I don't want to destroy this beautiful <laughs> piece of stock. Anyway, I cut off 18 inches of it, threw it in the lathe last night, started playing with it. And then I just finished the table build that I built for Core 77, which will be out this week. I built a, an old farm table with some interesting techniques that anybody with a couple of simple tools can do. Hmm. So this is, It's like complex joinery but done in an extremely simple way so that's going to be a fun a fun video once it gets posted i feel like i've been a part of all these videos since i've been watching them on snapchat so if you're not following jimmy see? on snapchat do so <laughs> see yeah you get to see little intimate details of all these things it's funny i'm working on stuff and then i'm like oh i forgot to snapchat and i go back and i try and catch up a little bit nice and then you get to see my pets also in between lots of pets <laughs> lots of pets lots of pets <laughs> Now we got three cats, three dogs. So I haven't started any new projects since I've been back. I'm still playing catch up. I stayed an extra day to visit some friends out in LA. So I got back late last night. And um, so my answer to what I'm working on is my book. And you're probably going to hear that same answer all throughout July because most of it needs to be done by the end of July for a uh, Christmas, in time for Christmas release. But in the meantime, I'm going to try to keep up my schedule, I think I've done eight or nine weeks in a row of putting out a project video. So I might try to get like little quick, maybe artsy one day projects in there. And uh, I have an idea that involves a freshly baked cookie. So uh, I'll just, that'll, that'll be your teaser. Mm. So that'll be out soon. Mm. Well, when you get there, I will take a freshly baked cookie. All right. You are welcome to come just... over anytime, Bob. Okay. Awesome. I'll bring the kids over later. Cool. Count me in. <laughs> um, let's see. Before we left, I was cramming on a bunch of stuff, trying to get a bunch done. And uh, the thing that's coming out this week is my ridiculous snack machine. <laughs> I kind of told you guys about this, right? I saw mm -hmm. it on Snapchat. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a container with a door on the front of it. And when you lift the door, it hits a switch, which turns a propeller, which spits out snacks. <laughs> Who doesn't like <laughs> that? It. That's right. 
Uh, yeah, I would I wear why. that on my face, actually. Mm. <laughs> oh, maybe I should make maybe I should make it into a hat, and then I can just <laughs> pour it right down into your mouth. That'd be good. Move mm, over, actually, Simone. I could, I could vacuum form a little slide that went around and just mm. poured the snacks in your mouth. Yeah, so I'm doing that, and then uh, working on some other stuff for the next couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, that's that's what we have, I'm up to. Um, so we were talking a bit about learning at this conference, and David came up with the idea of talking about lear- learning in person versus learning online. Is that was that about right? Yeah, yeah. So does anybody have any thoughts on that? Like real heavy thoughts. I want to give a couple examples as far as like woodworking, like what really kickstarted me going. I mean, I took woodworking way back in high school, but that was 20 some years ago. Then when in 2011, when I got back into work woodworking, I was starting over basically. And I started watching videos and reading the, uh, just getting information off of websites. And that was really helping. It helped me get started. Um, but then I took a, a, a class, a local class here, which was um, like one day a week for six weeks. And it was, it, it felt like it was a lot of the same stuff that I was watching in the videos. But when I had somebody there to kind of hold my hand and to help me, like, when you first get started, you run into so many problems. You're like, is this, is this safe to run through the table saw? Or I'm not sure how to join these two boards. Um, I've seen this in a video. Maybe this is the best way. But when you have somebody right there to answer your questions and help guide you, it gives you a lot more confidence and kind of speeds up the process. And then the same thing kind of happened when I got a lathe. I watched a bunch of lathe videos and I felt like, oh, I could do this. But when I started to check up the first piece, I'm like, mm, is this is this right? Am I doing this right? And my buddy Sean uh, Wisniewski came over and he's like, Dude, this is how you do it. And then, and then he left, and I was like, I was set to go. I was, I was, you know, hit. I hit the ground running. And so I have found like you can learn a lot online. You can, and I, I highly encourage everybody to check out all our YouTube channels and, and visit our websites. But if you have the opportunity to learn one on one with somebody, it speeds up the process and builds confidence real quick. That's it's. Yeah. Uh, I got a great example of that because I've been spending a lot of time online looking at printing press videos, guys making printing presses, well, guys making printing on these old printing presses. And about a year ago, I was on the fifth floor at the School of Visual Arts in one of the buildings that I don't often go to. There's about seven buildings for the school. And I walked past and they're exactly just like the one I own, same exact 19, early 1900 Chandler Price printing press was there. And I came back a couple hours later and I watched somebody set it up and use it and just I got a chance to ask them all little intimate details some of the mechanisms which I wasn't quite familiar with when I first got the machine and oh yeah that's this oh yeah oh that's that you know when you're watching a video of course you learn certain things but you can't ask the video questions and get the answer instantaneously mm-hmm. so I mean I had that experience with with that I mean that's my my personal experience with the printing press stuff and once you see stuff in person and you get a chance to like literally touch it and ask questions to the operator and then you go back to your shop and you watch another YouTube video or two, all of a sudden it just becomes more and more relatable and more real. So it is a great idea. And when people contact me and say, oh, I want to learn woodworking, I want to do this, I want to say, say just look for a local cabinet shop in your neighborhood and just go talk to them. Tell them you want to learn. Most people are real interested when someone's interested in what they do. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a, that's a, a, a lot of the advice I've, I've given out over the years is 
You want to learn how to weld? Go to the local body shop. That's the guy how to weld a new panel on a car. You know, just say, can I just sit here and watch? <laughs> I said, I even tell people lie. Say that you're making a book report in school. You know, if you're young enough to get away with saying you're in school. And you say, you're just going to do a, or you're going to do a vlog about it. And people are more than happy to be part of it. Hmm. People love to show that they have knowledge. And so, yeah. like, when somebody comes up to you, and, and that's why you're so willing to teach teach what you know. It's like, oh, it's fun. Like, oh, there's this person that wants to learn something. I have something that they want. Let's you know, let's make this happen. And, and you know, let's all not forget that, you know, uh, supposedly handmade stuff is a dying craft. It has a resurgence at the moment. So people like me and you two guys and people who do what we do love to share. Obviously, we do because we do it every day. But... There's that, you know, expert welder that, oh my God, my cat just pulled everything off the table. Sorry. Um, <laughs> there's, there's that expert welder that never had a chance to show off because he's, you know, in his early sixties, he has no idea how to use the computer and has no interest in trying to iPhone it. And he's the type of guy you want to get to, you know, the guy that has like a wealth of knowledge that will never be exposed to the world in the mm-hmm. way that we are. And, you know, you just go knock on the door and say, hey, can I hang out here while you work? Oh, sure. Come on. What do you do? Oh, I fix this. I fix that. I make this. I make that. And, you know, guys like that love to share because they, uh, those are the guys specifically that don't really see the resurgence of what we're doing and are, are more than happy to share and, and pass it on. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good point. I've noticed, um, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts <clears throat> and especially when I'm running and stuff. And I've noticed several times over the last couple of months, like I'll be listening to something, a really interesting conversation or some new thing that I'm learning. And I want so badly to be able to talk back into my phone and be like, I want to join this conversation. Like I have something to add here or I, or that made me think of whatever. And I noticed that a lot, um, at VidCon too, you know, in these panels, I would get like something would kind of spark inside of me. I'm like, Oh, okay, well, that leads me to another question. You know, like I learned a thing from you and that caused me to want to think about something else that is not, you know, your next step. It's not the next thing that you're going to talk about. And the cool thing about that format is that, you know, you can raise your hand and you can derail the conversation, the point that the person was trying to make with an equally important question. And you can't do that when you're watching a video or listening to a podcast, you know? Yeah. Um, so I found that a lot, and and even be when you know when I couldn't interrupt the conversation, I was taking tons of notes, and so I tried to address some of the people afterwards. I mean, the guy that started Patreon, Jack Conti, right? He did an excellent talk on on team building while we were there, and I had some ideas and some questions about it, and uh, and about Patreon in general. And I found him afterwards, and just like fired off these questions, and he was super awesome, interested to answer them, and you know to interact and. Otherwise, I just would have been had those thoughts to myself and not really had any answers to them. But being able to interact there was a pretty big thing. And I think the bigger thing is that I found for me is when someone is teaching me, and it maybe I can't focus. I don't know, but like I, they're trying to tell me about A, and the next thing they're going to talk about is B, and then my my brain goes, wait, what about X? You know, it's like related, but not the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that is. You know, being able to bring that stuff up and get feedback on something that they probably know about, but it's not the next thing they were planning on talking about, I think is really important. Um, you know, that in the context of like a a wood shop is, you know, you're learning how to use one tool, but in your mind you go, wait, how can I use these two tools together? You know, how what's the next step for for getting from the table saw to the lathe? 
And that's somebody with that experience can tell you, like, how do you move a piece of wood from this to this and use it effectively and whatever. Um, so, I mean, there's tons of advantages, you know, and just immersion. Like, we were talking about that this weekend as well. Like, being immersed in something, fully immersed, you know, with all your senses has a really different effect on you than if you have one sense involved, you know. Um, there was actually a big discussion about 360 video and uh, why it was just worthless and nobody's going to use it and it doesn't get anything done. And all that ah, that's, that's so funny that... Because that's how I felt about it since it started. <laughs> what, well, what did but they say about argue. It? Okay, yeah, I'll argue with uh, about that. No, honestly, I mean, I think it's amazing. It's like one of the most amazing things in the world. I mean, right now, the only thing I could really see it applicable to is real estate because people want to see every detail of a house that they're going to maybe buy or look at, or you yeah. know, sales of a car. You know, like walk around the car with it. You know, especially in this age of people buying things sight unseen, you know, in person. Mm. But um, as far as what we do. I find, you know, when I see someone's 360 video, I'm looking at stuff that it's hard. You know, you're the cinematographer that, that now is out the window. You're just the person in that environment. And when I'm watching a 360 video, I'm like, oh, my God, look, I can look at his feet. And he's talking and I'm not paying attention to what he's saying because I'm looking yeah. at his feet and I'm looking at the, you know, whatever he didn't fix up before he started the video. You know, it's just that's why people will say, oh, I'd love to look at a 360 video. I'm like, no, 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 no. I want my workshop to be like when you visit the Titanic on a giant submersive, you want to be able to just look through that porthole. That's all I want you to see mm. is what's through that porthole. I don't want you to see everything. Right. Because if you see everything, you're not going to be paying attention to what I want you to see. Well, and that was the argument, basically. Yeah. You know, the person who was making the argument said, there's, there's no use for this. Mm-hmm. But my response to that was... I believe there is. But th- well, my response is... He and sounds like you are looking and a lot of us, I'm not singling anybody out, but the way that you think about teaching a thing is that you focus in on here's the detail that I want the viewer to mm-hmm. learn. And you want to do everything you can through your speech and through the camera work and through everything to drive people to see that thing. Totally get that. 360 is awful for that. But think about the environments where the only way to experience that environment and get the most out of it is to be able to see everything around you. And I know maybe the use cases are fewer, um, but just because something doesn't apply to you or that guy doesn't mean it's not valuable. No, I totally agree. I mean, like I said, it has its place, but when people ask me to get into it, and I've even, I have a friend at Samsung who who says, hey, maybe it'd be a good idea if you do it in your shop. And I'm like, I'd like to play with it because I want to get associated with Samsung, but I'm not sure I want to play with it in my shop. I'll come up with a better idea. Right. Bob, you used it for Maker Fair because, and, and I, I think, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your point was if you just saw through a regular camera lens, you would only see what's in front of you. Yeah. And that wasn't situation. what Maker Fair was about. It was about the entire environment. And it would give that user the opportunity to just like, as you're walking, just to spin all the way around to see how much stimulation there is going on at one time. Exactly. And that was my point. It was like immersion. You know, there are certain situations, not every situation, where immersion is the only way to get it. Like, if you go into a mosh pit, you know, if you, imagine you're in a mosh pit. You're getting beat up from every side. There's music. There's heat. There's sweat. There's all this stuff. And if you're looking in one direction, you're not getting the full effect. You know, getting punched in one direction in a mosh pit is not a mosh pit, right? Are we so, at a One so Direction, direction. concert? <laughs> no, not One Direction. From from. <laughs> Because I'm really confused. Mosh okay, pit, yeah, one direction. Maybe, maybe a bad example. 
But you know what I mean? Like when there's action all around you and you only get exposed to one view of it, th- that has its place, right? You want to focus maybe on the band, but that's not the whole situation. Um, and yeah, I think Maker Faire is a good, situ- a good example of that where there's, there's something interesting to see in every direction, no matter where you are <laughs> the entire time. And for someone who can't make it there, that's what you want them. To, that's what I wanted them to experience. You know how how crazy it is everywhere. Um, and like I said, that's maybe that's a small use case. Maybe it's not something that everybody's gonna have, but uh, or need in when what they do. But to to completely discount it, I think is selling it and yourself short. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Personally, I'm not even sure how we got on that. Did you guys? Uh, I, I, did you guys get to see any of those video, those 3D videos that Casey was pushing on his channel? Did you guys get a chance to see those in any any format while you were there? Did you happen to know uh, what I'm talking about? Not there. No, I oh, mean, we I've did a big Samsung promotion, and he gave away like ten cameras, and they made ten movies. Yeah, I just wonder. I think the 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 point I thought you were going to make, Bob, was full immersion, where like we are in this environment of learning and we have nothing else to do but learn. And that's why being there in person, we, we retain more of it instead of being on the computer where we have mm. a lot of distractions. Like I'm at home, there's pets, there's family, there's uh, there's 50 other videos on the screen ready to play at any moment. And mm. when we're there, we're, 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 fully in we paid to be there we're fully involved in what those speakers are are saying and i seem to retain a lot more of that and i get a little bit more excited about learning too yeah and i think that's definitely the case like i was saying your senses are all involved in that when you're at a place you know and that's you know i maybe this is a stretch but vr could theoretically help bridge that gap someday if it gets good mm-hmm. enough i've never used vr so i don't have any clue if it's good enough or not but you know when you get more than just one sense and or two senses involved in, uh, you know, being wrapped up in an environment and what's going on in that environment, maybe it matters differently to your brain. I don't know. Just a guess. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, of course there's, you can, you can learn maybe deeper at a, at a, you know, face to face in person level. Maybe you learn faster or broader in a more shallow way, you know, through video. I'm sure they both have their place. Um, but you know what that reminds me of just a little bit off topic for one second I was at a wedding this weekend and it was an outdoor wedding it was a gorgeous wedding in a beautiful setting in the Catskills and there was a drone operator filming the wedding with a drone and I I got to talking with him for a little bit and he's like oh you want to see something really cool and he goes hey put these headsets on he had the Samsung headset with a Samsung camera and he's like sends the drone up. He's like, now you're watching the camera. He's wherever you turn your head, the, the gimbal <laughs> will move. So he said, look wherever you want. And like, I'm, now that the camera's whatever, 500 feet in the air, and I'm turning my head, and the camera on the gimbal is turning in every direction. It was amazing. And yeah. he, he gave, he basically gave everybody rides. So he, like, there was a line of, hmm. he gave like 15 people rides. He's like, all right, you go next. All right, you go next. But he, he wasn't why he was there. He was there to get some footage, but he was just so, he was just so happy with his new toy. He was letting everybody play it. And uh, so he kept putting the goggles on everybody and he would send it up. And it was just so amazing. That's cool. It was, it was the DJI, the big one, the one that looks like a big spider. Mm. With like the, oh, yeah. I forget what number. The Fanta, uh, the Inceptor or something. I forget yeah, what it's called. I know. 
Bob and I were outside at one point during the, the during VidCon, and a drone flies by, and somebody's like, "That must be Casey." <laughs> Was we just it? Assume what? You're, you're not supposed to fly a drone there, so who uh, else is going to do that, right? Yeah, yeah, he flew a lot of drones. There was a lot of drone footage in his stuff. I was watching every day just to see what was going on behind the scenes and stuff. <clears throat> but, yeah, yeah, it was It was a... I don't know who it was. We don't know if it was him or not. But <clears throat> it was being flown right over the c- most crowded area in the whole thing outside, which is just a bad idea. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know... One, it's against the rules like the, of the con, of the FAA, and it's just kind of dangerous because if something, especially if it was Casey... I don't know if it was. He doesn't listen to the podcast, so it doesn't really matter. If it was, he has a habit of crashing them. (laughs) (laughs) And crashing one on top of a bunch of teenagers seems like it would be a bad thing. So you guys want to hear something? You want want to hear something bizarre? So in my feed the other day, I got a suggested video. This is just sort of small world it is. And it's uh, Jesse, the guy that's always with Casey. He does a girlfriend versus boyfriend. They got got like 10 million subscribers. Mm-hmm. And so I click on the video and it's a drone that comes down from the city down past the facade of a tenement building and then focuses into his apartment window. <laughs> and, um, and so, and it's the beginning, it's like this sort of this, he's like having the guy, Jesse, uh, he's like having a new realization, him and his girlfriend split up. If you follow his channel, I don't really follow his channel, but this can I, I, and I subscribed to him after watching this video and the camera comes down and I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Blah. And then he does all these scenes on the block and, at the last second, I realized that's my block. His building is two buildings away from me. Uh. <laughs> I thought he was, I just assumed it was Brooklyn. And I'm looking, I'm like, and all of a sudden he's getting his hair cut in the barbershop. I'm like, oh my God, that's like right outside my door. Mm-hmm. It's a, I had no idea that he lived, he lives two buildings away from me. I never met bring, him. I never saw him on the street. That brings up a question. So uh, if you're a photographer, technically, legally, you can take a photo of anything you want as long as you're in public property. So if you're standing on a street, you can technically and legally take a photo of somebody's living room if their curtains are open. But if you're in a drone and you're flying past a window and you're capturing footage, are you, are you, this seems to be, there. that blurs the lines a little bit, right? There's so many blurred lines with all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, so one of the, one of the things about, um, because, I mean, I recently registered mine with the FAA, and so there's a list of things that you have to check off, and you say, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this. And, um, you know, some of them I, are good, some of them seem a little unreasonable, but uh, one of them is that it has to be line of sight, which means that you should always be able to see your drone, you know, from where you're standing, or that, or that you can have an operator, like another person that can see it. But there's a lot of cases, I mean, those things can fly like three miles away. Yeah. So, you know, it's a difference if like I'm standing on the corner and I fly this thing up right in front of me and it looks in everybody's windows, still kind of creepy, but you know, it's, you can see it, it's right there above you. But like at that speed, you could stand on top of your building in New York City, fly this thing three miles away and like peek in somebody's window. That's <laughs> eh, a little. Did you see the, the the South Park? There was a whole South Park episode where drones were like looking in everybody's window. It's <laughs> no, really funny. It's from last season. Super funny. Hmm. It's worth looking up. Yeah, but, I mean, there's a bunch of gray area with the drone stuff and like how it should be used, and and I mean, you know, people just have common sense and decency. <laughs> common well, sense you know is what? a big thing. Yeah. 
to bring it back to bring it back to what we started talking about i'm contemplating buying a drone just because that's the wave of the future but i don't want to buy one until i spend time with an operator and watch mm. him fly his drone i could watch all the youtube videos i want but until i actually spend some time with a with a drone operator and like this guy that i met at the wedding was a very nice guy I got his card and uh, he's kind of he's kind of centrally located i could probably go and hang out with him a couple times and see like some of the shoots he does but that's a perfect example of Dave, the subject you brought up where it's like, you need hands-on visual interaction with the operator mm -hmm. or, you know, the teacher. And again, I, until I spend some time with a drone operator, I don't even want to buy one because I don't, I'm just going to open it up and crash it immediately. So before I do that, I want to just get some experience, at least practical visual mm -hmm. experience one-on-one -on -one with an operator. So even, good, even doing that example. before you buy could, help you make help an informed purchase that you yeah. then know exactly right. what you're looking for instead of blindly buying a drone that maybe everybody else has or mm -hmm. or whatever the latest technology is but now you know what to look for and and it's one of the reasons we tell people to like we don't know what tools you need to get started because we don't know what you want to make you know mm -hmm. see so mm -hmm. you, you kind of have to you have to you have to figure out what that end goal is first and then get what you need to complete that. Yeah. And I, I will say, I mean, I'm not trying to convince you out of what you just said at all. Cause I think that's very smart. I got mine. Um, it's a phantom four and I got it with zero experience, never having flown one, never having been next to anybody when they were flying one. And I sat on it for not sat on it. I sat next to it <laughs> for a week. Um, without flying it because of that fear. I was like, I, I just spent a lot of money on this thing. Like if I take it out, <laughs> got caught and, in a tree. Yeah. And my house is just surrounded by trees. So if I even do it in my front yard, there's a good chance I'm just going to destroy this thing. So I sat on it for a while and, you know, made sure I had time to go to a big open place to try it out. And it turned out that it was actually way easier to fly. That one in particular it's way easier to fly than I expected. It's got a bunch of safety measures in it that make it, you know, easier. And of course, you can still crash it, you know. But if you if you're not paying attention, what are you doing? But I I think you know somewhere in the middle there of, of like a healthy fear and respect of the technology, just like with tools, you know, and some hands-on education, uh, you know, finding a middle ground there. It's pretty easy to do. So, and once you're like upstate more, having a drone in that environment, yeah, man, that's awesome. That'd be great. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. That's uh, uh, that's definitely the reason why I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Well, the Phantom 4, I can vouch for it. It's a very, very nice piece of machinery. Very yeah. expensive, but it's nice. Mm -hmm. Well, relatively speaking, that's what's amazing about being alive when we are. I mean, what is it? Let's say, let's say it's $2,000. It's not, right? It's less than that. Yeah, it's less than that. But, for, you know, that's how much it used to be to rent a helicopter to go fly up and down the East River if you want some... Stock footage of the city, you know, for interstitials mm -hmm. for your TV show. Yeah. Now you could just, you know, play around with it for a few hours and, you know, with some confidence and a little skill, you can get some incredible shots. And, you know, everybody goes right into business. You can go right into business buying, selling footage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, you can't. Well. Just like to point that out. That. Wink, wink. No, technically, <laughs> technically um, you have to get a commercial license. Right. That's what this guy to, was telling me. To, yeah, there's a lot of like stuff around that, and it's not mm. fully defined. But you know, just because you buy a drone doesn't mean you're not going to get in trouble for selling footage. <laughs> just want to throw that know, out there. 
I just want to point this out. The um, uh, Rob, remind me the name of the channel, Epic Mealtime. Is, is that right? Yes. They were they they briefly talked about like the cost of doing television, and this is totally off the wall what we're talking about. But I thought it was cool. The cost of television compared to the cost of doing YouTube videos was com- like just crazy different, and. When you have a television show and you, you want to cook, you have to have a fire marshal on set before you can even turn on the oven. You have to have a permit to f- to film anywhere in the public streets. But YouTubers, we can just turn on the oven and we can just go out in the streets. And that, I just found that like kind of eye-opening. The It's one of the major differences between a produced television show and a one-man band doing YouTube. Yeah, yeah that's that's pretty amazing. I never considered that. It was interesting that the talk that they did, we went to, was about turning a YouTube channel into a production company because they went from full on YouTube to TV and then back to YouTube and then back to TV and they're doing both or whatever. And uh, the guy was talking about all the stuff David just talked about and, you know, was giving an example of like if a a group says they'll give you $150,000 an episode to make this show, you're like, sweet, that's a lot of money. And then he was like, but it all gets eaten up with fire marshals and with, you know, like catering and with, you know, just all the different stuff that has to be there to even start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then just the money just evaporates, which blows my mind. I mean, think about TV compared to, I mean, Jimmy doesn't have to, he has this experience with <laughs> this, but think about, um, you know, all that goes into TV and all that goes into what we do and the difference in income and the difference in output is just, it's mind-boggling to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you if you watch if you watch on my channel, it was called "Making It with John and Jimmy." It's this old video of me and John making a bench. It's a way down in the in my videos. It's from a few years ago. Anyway, that that we made in like two thousand two thousand and four or five, and that became the TV show Hammered. We literally made that in two days. It cost the amount of wood cost me maybe I don't know a hundred dollars worth of wood, a couple of videotapes, and then you know a day's worth of editing. Three days literally cost, I mean, aside from our time, which I don't get paid $50,000 a day. I wish I did, but I don't. But once we actually went to series, the budget was like $225,000 per episode, which is considerably low. But Mm. I just couldn't imagine having made one episode myself, sold the idea, and then now the real real episodic fee is $225,000 per episode. And that's yeah. just a vague, like, they don't tell me these things. I kind of have found out by accident. So that's, when you think about it, $225,000 for four days of shooting, a show of me making something in a workshop. <laughs> and now I do that every week alone yeah. without any production team. And literally, like, the farmhouse table video that you watched me make this week, I really am proud of that one. It came out good. That video is 10 minutes long. I shot it in my basement alone. Well, my friend Anthony was hanging out and it's up and running. I mean, I wish I got paid $225,000 alone to just shoot that video. <laughs> and it's going to get in front of more eyeballs. And it's going to get in front show. of more eyeballs than, <laughs> than HGTV for sure. Yep. So yeah, it's just amazing. Like how TV production is, is, is the way it is, you know, and then we do what we do. Just an amazing transition. Yeah. Well, you guys got anything else on learning in person you want to talk about? No, I just want to emphasize that idea, which, uh, you know, is something I always think of in theory, but I never really voiced it. But the idea of finding these, uh, 
these old school craftspeople that are definitely not in touch with social media, and they never will be. Like, for instance, you know, um, I, I, I'm talking, uh, hopefully I'm not talking out of school here, but do you guys, the, the, the guy I always talk about, Lou Swaddle, Swazel, I don't know how to say his last name. He's the old boat guy. I, I tweet mm-hmm. about him quite often. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tips from a shipwright. Mm-hmm. He personally doesn't shoot those videos. He has no interest in learning how to do that. He is so good at what he does and has so much experience. But a couple of guys got together and said, you're, what you're doing is invaluable. It has to be has to be publicized. And so this small production team got together and they make his videos for him. Hmm. So that, you know, it's a, and his videos are incredibly educational. He just started a series of a boat. So he's going to build a boat. He builds boats for a living, but this is going to be a sequential series. Um, first episode was out last week, but I'm saying there's so many guys like him that will never have the opportunity that he has to be filmed and be recorded and be shared. And that's just among all of us in our neighborhoods. And so, you know, go find the old shoemaker, go find, you know, the guy that makes guitars that has no interest in being publicized. You know, a lot of guitar makers are very insular and they don't want anybody to know what they do. Um, so every one of us has opportunity to meet people like that and learn from them. As long as we show that we're interested, I'm sure they'll be more than interested to share. Yeah, absolutely. Get out of your house. Yeah. <laughs> You can watch YouTube on your phone. Just take it with you. You're good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> cool. Well, um, before we talk about what we've been watching, I want to thank our Patreon supporters, um, especially Make, Build, Modify, John Cornwell, Luis Gonzalez, and Jeremy White. They're our top supporters. And, uh, you know, we were we went to, like I said, Jack Conti's talk, who, who owns Patreon, who started Patreon, and then we met with some other people from Patreon and just listening to them talk about supporting creators. This show is one of those things that's fully supported by Patreon and they are so passionate about it and they are doing lots of stuff and working really hard to make that platform better for us and for the people that support us. I so, can't emphasize how them. passionate they were about it. Uh, yeah. We were talking to Jack and there were people bringing up suggestions and he would be like, yes, that would work, but that takes away from the creator. And it was just kind of mm. like he really means – he really wants us creators, us as in everybody who makes YouTube or, or just blogging or whatever, he really wants everybody to succeed and get paid for it. And his heart yeah. is really in the right place. It was it was nice to see that. Absolutely. So thanks to Patreon and everybody that supports us on Patreon. Thank you. Yes. Uh, what have you guys been watching? So anything cool? Uh, I, I guess I'm into science channels now because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we got to hang out with some of the just most amazing people. Uh, but there's a channel called Phys- Physics Girl, and it is put out by PBS Digital Studios, and it's just the really fun physics experiments and learning, and they're just really well done and. All I got to say is go watch it because it's good. Nice. And I got we got to meet her, and she's awesome, and 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 fun, mm-hmm. just like all the the physics people that we hung around with. Cool. I am. I have been watching Aiden Hines Sculpture Studio. It's a British sculpture studio, and it's the lead artist is Aiden Hines H Y N E S S Hines. I'm not sure, but he makes giant sculptures out of foam. And it's amazing how he handles these huge blocks of foam. 
He makes classical architectural elements. He makes, he made the two robotic heads. Are you watching some of his stuff? Yeah. He makes incredible stuff. He's got a team of guys. He's the lead sculptor and it's his place, but take a look. Uh, You'll learn so much just watching one video. And I've only watched a few of them at this point, but it's incredible. He's just a big giant. You might want to say prop maker, but it's a sculpture studio. So and he primarily starts with foam. And then if he has to take it to cement or whatever, he makes a few generational molds from that. And he's making molds that are like 12, 13 feet tall. So just incredible. I found him one night just doing a Google search, just trying to find something about some reference. And, and his, his stuff is just incredible. Hmm. hmm. Awesome. Um, let's see. <clears throat> so we, we talked about some of the people that we got to meet this weekend. And one of them was Mark Rober who has a pretty large YouTube channel. It's not like he needs the support or anything, but he's doing good stuff, and he's a super nice guy. Like, we spent a lot of time talking to him, and um, he is just trying to do really interesting stuff, you know, around, like, a full-time job and family and stuff, and uh, he's got some some cool videos. His latest one is the world's largest Nerf gun, and uh, it's pretty cool because he teamed up with these two guys who have an engineering channel, and I can't remember the name of that channel at the moment, but you can find it. And they built this Nerf gun for him, and it's like compressed air, and it shoots these darts that he made out of pool noodles and plungers, and it shoots them like super far, like football field length or something. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. It's a good video, and he's a super good guy. So go check out Mark Rober. You guys got anything else? I'm done. You're done. We're done. You're done. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks. And uh, we will see you next time. I love you.